Welcome to the Dreaming Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired, learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan Nelson. Each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dreaming Out Loud with your host, me, Morgan T. Nelson. Look, guys, before we get started in today's interview, I'm obligated to share something with you that's been a complete freaking game changer to my life. If you want to grow any kind of business or grow yourself, grow your income or pursue your dream, do you know where it all actually starts? It starts with your health. So your outer world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So when you're thinking clearer and sharper, and you're feeling healthier, happier, and you've got more energy and vitality, everything around you starts to amplify. So that's why I have one of these bad boys every single day. It's called BEA or a beer is what I call it. It stands for Botanical Energy and Adaptogens. So guys, this is straight up the world's healthiest energy drink. It's been a complete game changer in my life and my business. It's jam-packed full of all the good stuff that our bodies actually need every single day and it has a full serving of vegetables, but tastes nothing like it, thank God, right? That's pretty good. Uh, it's so freaking easy. I love it. It's so easy to be able to swap this out for a coffee. Like I used to be a coffee fanatic, energy drink fanatic, and this is just way, way, way better to swap it out for these things. You know, when I used to be a carpenter, I lived off energy drinks because I knew that I needed it to get through the big days of work. Otherwise, I'd just crash out. But I also knew the damage it was doing to my body every single day. And if I continued doing it, I knew that ultimately my life would just start to get even worse than what it was. So I'm so freaking stoked that now I've got my hands on this drink, that it's got a nourishing blend of raw nutrients sourced from whole food, fruits, and vegetable ingredients, guys. And it's got none of the bad stuff that ruins the insides of your bodies. So if you guys want to grab your case of BEA, then jump in the link of this episode right now and you're going to get 25% off as one of my listeners. All right, jump in right now, grab yours and come and share a can with me. All right, now let's get into this interview. Today's guest is an author, network marketer and qualified NLP coach. She spent half her life living in Dubai where she even played for, for the Dubai Sevens rugby team. She summited Mount Kilimanjaro and completed an ultra marathon running 111 kilometers. After finding herself continually being in and out of relationships and attracting the same men to end in another failed relationship, she watched people around her find their soul love and left her wondering what is wrong with her. This began a long self-love journey where she was committed to figuring out how to become the person she has to become to finally attract her soul love, which she is so deeply in love with now. She has become so passionate about helping other women also break this cycle so that they can break free from the cycle and finally start living in the relationship that they truly desire. So please help me welcome the woman who went from growing up in Dubai and working as a promo girl to now the author of Thank You Next, a book all about self-love and how to stop dating the same men, my friend, the soul love queen, Miss Melissa Fernandez. Oh, hi, Morgan. <laughs> so great to be on here with you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This is, I think this has been a long time coming doing this episode together. Yeah, actually. it's for a long time. And it's We're been finally doing it. <laughs> yeah, finally doing it. But it's been so epic. I think it's also perfect because obviously when we first talked about doing it we're like what can we talk about because you've got so much fucking knowledge inside your head <laughs> so we can talk about a million different things and then in that space yep. you've gone and compressed some of that and put into a book which mm-hmm. which i love the niche of mm-hmm. um because i haven't found anyone talking about this kind of stuff you know all the relationships so it's i'm excited to kind of dive into it well i'm glad to be the first and thank you everyone for listening all right so i want to first to kind of give these guys a bit of context right mm-hmm. let's go back you know living in Dubai because what's so fascinating about this subject and fascinating about all humans actually there's nothing just like we don't just wake up one day and say this is what I want to teach you about this is what <laughs> this is what's on my mind it all stems from something right yeah. so I'd be really interested to give us a bit of a brief story growing up in Dubai childhood and, and a couple of these first kind of relationships that made you even want to go into this subject okay well when people hear Dubai they think wow you grew up in Dubai but I grew up in a very different Dubai because when I grew up in Dubai it was nothing but desert. I was there 
31 years ago when it was just being developed. So for me growing up basically was a sand pit. I remember getting excited when there was construction sites happening because I'd be like, yay, sand. And that's basically was my Dubai lifestyle growing up with sand. Um, but going back, I guess, if we want to talk about family and growing up with my family, I actually grew up in a, what you would call a dysfunctional family. Um, my, my parents were married for 35 years and growing up, I never really saw the love between them. Like I never saw my, um, my parents celebrate anniversaries. I, um, you know, just never really saw them holding hands and cuddling. And that to me, I, I never really knew what love was. The only love I ever knew was what I saw on, on TV, like Disney. I was a massive Disney, Disney fan. And even at my 21st, I had a Disney party. (laughs) Um, and then my, in the end, my parents actually ended up splitting when I was about 15 years old. And that was because my mom had found out that my dad, um, had been having an affair for six years behind her back. And, but that wasn't the first one. Like he had been in and out of affairs, traveling around the world because he was in travel and yeah, just had different mistresses around the world. And so that was basically, I guess, growing up, that's what I, I saw, um, what, what I thought a relationship was, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know anything more than, than what my parents had and then what I saw on TV. So when I would get into a relationship, I would expect them to be Prince Charming. And I'd look for that love and I'd be like, where's the movie style one? Oh, Is that right? the movie style one. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I don't know how far deep down you want to go into let's this. Go all but, the way okay, down. let's go. <laughs> so I, you know, looking back at it now, and this is a question that I want you guys to even ask yourself, who was your role model growing up? You know, who was your role model? Because I, a lot of people may say their parents, but I never looked up and like, I love my mom. She is my best friend and I love my dad. He's an amazing man, but together their relationship, you could see they were just being with each other because of the kids. Mm -hmm. And you could see that. And they're both beautiful people and they're all doing the best they can do. But I wouldn't look to them and be like, yes, like dad was my role model. Mom was my role model. My role model actually was Belle. So for those who have seen Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I haven't. I'm not, I'm not a like, like I didn't grow up a normal child. Like yeah. I, I grew up as a kid, like yeah. wa- watching like all the M and MA movies. I'm like, I don't want to fuck with cartoons. You and shit. haven't I never, seen Beauty and never. the Beast? Oh my gosh. Okay. So bear with us. Get it. So- I, there will be lots of people listening to this right now who've seen Beauty and the Beast. Please go and send Morgan a message and be, <laughs> what the? We need to go and watch Disney right now and have yeah. a Disney marathon. I don't know about that. <laughs> But anyway, so Beauty Beauty and the Beast, just to give you a bit of a rundown, Belle was the main character and she grew up in a little village in, in France and she was the outcast. So when growing up as a little girl, I always felt like the outcast. I felt like the outcast in my family. I always never felt like I wanted to be included. It even got to the point where my sisters were like, you're adopted, right? You're not part of this family, you're adopted. Because I allowed myself to actually put myself as the outcast. Even growing up in Dubai, I just never ever felt like that's where I belonged. I always felt like the outcast. But I was looking back at it now, I'm like, I was just role modeling Belle. And what I always used to do when I felt like an outcast was read. So Belle was all about books. She loved going to the library. She loved reading. She never had any friends in the village. All she did was read. And that's what I did. All I did was read. Whenever I felt, you know, I wanted to get away, I'd read. I'd read a book. So read, I grew up reading. And then the next thing, which gets even more exciting, (laughs) is there was a guy in the village called Gaston. He's the hot guy right? The really good looking hot guy, but he was arrogant. And he was the one who was like, I'm going to get Belle and she's going to fall in love with me. So I always thought every single hot guy out there was arrogant. I thought they had ego and they were arrogant. Because you associate these characters, your idols, favorite show as that's how men and Webinar, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. So I would then never look at a hot guy. So if you look at my past history, and I'm sorry if any of my ex-boyfriends are <laughs> listening to this, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone has a type. 
But my type, I wouldn't be like, man, that's a Channing Tatum, right? I wouldn't be like, that's a Channing Tatum. Except your current so, one. What's that? Except your oh, man, one. this guy, he's hotter, no, yeah, than, he's, he's, he's hotter than Channing he's Tatum. I'll turn for him. <laughs> he's way hotter than Channing Tatum. <laughs> I love it. Yes, he would. <laughs> for those, and, those, so her partner is Reese, my boy, one of my yes. best mates. So. <laughs> oh, and he is so beautiful. He's, oh, he's so gorgeous. Um, so anyways, <laughs> but this is before then, right? Any, any person that I, the guys that I would date would not be like a Gaston looking guy, right? Because I never wanted to date a Gaston. I just thought they were arrogant. I was prejudging someone before I even actually knew them. Mm-hmm. I made that judgment. Oh, you have muscles. You're arrogant right? Oh, you're tall and big and you're walking around with all confidence. You're arrogant. <laughs> so that was the judgment that I was making. And here's, here's the freaking catch, right? Belle falls in love with the beast uh-huh. and she falls in love with the beast because he has a kind heart. So every single previous boyfriend that I've had has had beautiful hearts. They, they have had, you know, giving, nurturing hearts. And here's where it goes deeper. Belle falls in love with the beast to turn him into Prince Charming because he can only turn into Prince Charming when he's in love. So at the end, this beast turns, this magic happens when they're in love and all of a sudden he turns into this hot, beautiful Prince Charming. So when you go back my dating history, I used to date men that I wanted to change. You saw potential and to change. So I fell in love with potential. <laughs> is, that the un- is that the underlying message of that movie or, or, or what? It kind of is, right? Yeah. Belle falls in love with the beast and the beast turns into Prince Charming. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Great. Great movies for kids to be watching. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, so that was the track history. You saw people mm. as like, you know, easy. Let me ask you this. Do you think this stems from any insecurities? Oh, I had so much insecurities. So do you like, in, do you think, cause this is like, now I'm understanding it. I mm. see it happen often, right? Is this a thing of, cause everyone does have insecurities, but is this a thing of going, going for the beast because of someone's own insecurities or is it something else? Hmm. Good question. Hmm. Or is it more so going and being like an achiever mindset being like, I'm going to take this diamond in the rough and make it a diamond. I think, I think there's many different situations. I think, you know, people have been told to date down, right? And they've been told to date down because they're a bit scared of getting hurt. And when mm. they date down, it's because they think that their man will always love them because they always look up to them. You know that like, oh, she's a 10, but I'm a seven right? You know, have you heard that? Yeah. Have you heard that before? So then people go, I'm just going to date down, which I personally believe is not the best thing. And there's not the truth because there's no down or up. I I date up. Yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And so you should, because eventually if you did, then you will both be where you are because you're invite, you get impacted by your environment and you both, you know, if you're meant to be, then you will both work on that and you'll grow together. Um, So that there's obviously there's that, that scenario, like there's many different scenarios. There's another scenario, um, you know, where, what I was saying before, like women, and it's super common that, and it's just part of our feminine energy that we want to nurture. We want to help. You know, we, it's part of like the motherhood. It just, it's built in us. It's in our DNA. So when we meet a man, we just want to help him. Yeah. We just want to nurture them. So part of that also comes with the, the fixing, the fixing them. Oh, they have a problem. Okay, I'm like, let me change them and fix them. So that's also another element of it too. So that's not a good thing. Is this what you're saying? No. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I look back in my past history and every single man that I've dated, I've always wanted to fix and change okay. and it has not ended well. So, <laughs> so Until so, now. <laughs> so what would, what's the alternative then? Is it like working on ourselves, finding someone else who's working on themselves and finding two people that are completely pulling? Like, like what, what's the. Yes. Well, it's, it's you being whole. You're a whole person. And then you find a hole, like yeah. a half and a half coming together 
now becomes a whole and that becomes a codependent relationship. But it's so much about, it's not, um, wait, repeat that question. So I can, I was going into something and I lost it. I can't even remember what I said. Um, I, I can't remember what I said. Oh, what's the alternative then, right? So what's the alternative of, let's say if it's like, if you, instead of looking for something like, hmm, because I totally get what you mean. And, and it, it is a very common thing. I do see a lot of women actually do this. The two things, it's like, I'm going to take this person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn them into, I'm going to mold them into who I want them to be yeah. to meet my expectations. Yeah. And then also, but it's, it's, it could be because it's like, I'm not whole here, but I'm going to find someone who also, also isn't whole. So we become together and they can't even fucking leave me. Yes. Right? And that's so, where you create that codependent relationship. Yeah, you want to be a, so toxic. Oh, very, very toxic. You want to be a whole person. And the one thing that I've learned is falling in love with potential can get exhausting. You know, you're always like when I, I'm going to go back at like, so I, there was this one guy that um, it was actually the worst relationship, but the best relationship because it was the one that taught me the most. And this was back in the day when I didn't have any self-love for myself. I was a very half a person. And then I attracted a half because you're going to attract. If you're a half, you're going to attract a half. So I attracted a half. And together we came in and we became this codependent relationship. It was that relationship where it was like, Break up, get back together. Break oh, up, get goodness. back together. You know that song by like a Eminem. Typical Gold Coast relationship. Right? <laughs> this, yes. But this time I was living in a small country town, mm-hmm. right? And it was like that song, "Love the way you lie." I'm gonna watch if you leave by the window pane. I guess that's why they call it pain. You know that yeah, yeah. that Eminem, Eminem song. I used to sing along to that, being like, "Oh, that's the relationship I have with oh. him." It was just so so toxic but we were so codependent on each other and what i had found back then was i didn't have any self-love for myself i never loved me i depended on men to love me so i would do anything for them right the approval oh i'm like no for them to stay it Mm. wasn't so much the approval it was so they wouldn't leave me because i'm like if i help them they will stay yeah if i change them then they'll look up to me, they'll love me, and then they'll never leave. So here I was wanting to help people. Back then, I couldn't see what I was doing. Now I know what I was doing. But in the time, I had no idea. All I thought was I was helping this person, right? So going back to this relationship that I had with this man, I um, he um, basically lost his job. He um, had some mental health stuff going on. He had depression and had anxiety. And back then I was actually working as a mental health worker. Mm -hmm. So my full-time job was looking after people at work and then I would go home and I would look after him. So it was just a reflection. You know, when I was helping people, it reflected back and also helping people in relationships as well. So I was like, let me take care of you. Don't worry. I've got this. Like you, you're not working. Don't worry. I'll pay the rent. So I paid the rent. I took care of him, whatever food he needed. I'd come home. I would cook. I'd look after him. I did the washing. I basically became his mom. Right. And eventually that gets tiring. Like that gets so tiring. How long can you take care of someone and then be like, that's it. I've had enough. Yeah. And, and, and I imagine you'd lose with that puts so much tension in the relationship. Like you, there'd be lack of polarity then because now it puts you into a masculine role, puts him into a feminine role. You're caring for him, which like, like on a biology sort of level, that's not right. And lack of polarity that that's where it starts to just spiral out of control right oh my not out of control but like just to a (laughs) shit relationship and you just hit the nail on the head right there because that was exactly what that relationship was i was very much in the masculine energy and he was in the feminine energy and i'm not like it's not blame because it happens i take full responsibility for it like everyone's always doing the best they can with what they have yeah and i see this happen i'm really fascinated about this subject but I see it happen all the time. I see the roles reverse. And, yep. you know, that's the first sign of like the relationship just going downhill is when the roles reverse and the woman feels more masculine, the man becomes more feminine. Yep. And then it turns into this thing, especially here in Australia, it's that saying, happy wife, happy life. Oh, just, oh, whatever you want, love. And it just 
start to lose the balls yeah and and, and there's not none of that that chemistry anymore oh right? i can talk about feminine masculine energy for hours this is actually a topic i'm very passionate about because i used to live a lot in the masculine space i used to think like to get what i wanted i had to be masculine you know to to be if i wanted to be business and be a boss babe woman i had to have this masculine energy right mm-hmm. so i started to live in this masculine mode and because i was so in masculine i was attracting feminine and I was attracting feminine men yeah. used to get to the point where I'm like I'm like I'm an independent woman uh-uh you go and carry my suitcase don't worry right I'm carrying all these grocery bags and they're like let me open the door for you no 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 I've got this I'm gonna open up my own door I don't need your help right and then it'd be like things like it will get to the bill at dinner and I'll just go like no 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 I've got this let me pay yeah. for pay for it so eventually like It comes down to things too, like you teach people the way you want to be treated. So when I look back at that relationship with my, um, with a partner at the time who had the mental health, you know, had the mental health issues going on, I look back at that and I'm like, I taught him how I wanted to be treated, right? I set the boundaries. So I take full responsibility in that because I thought I was helping, but looking back at now, I actually wasn't. I was enabling him and yeah. creating that that dependency on me, not in independency. Um, so yeah, so I don't know if that answered it. No, that's great. <laughs> so for the people listening, because I see this happen so fast, not so fast, I see it so common in relationships it's usually after like the honeymoon phase because it's when people just become complacent Mm. and it's easier. Like I see so many men lose their fucking balls and they're in relationships. Yeah. Love, whatever you want, whatever you want. And and I'm just not about that. This show is about for people to tap into their truest potential, live their best fucking quality of life. And relationships is a major part. It's something I talk to a lot about our friend with, with David, right? We, we talk about this subject all the time. It's yeah, so funny, like yeah. two single men talk about it. Well, actually, no, he's not single anymore. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's just so fascinating to talk about. So do you want to touch on a little bit on how, so you said you've been in that role. You've been the masculine chick. Oh, yes. How can you be yep. an achiever and chase your dreams and, mm. and do all this while still doing it gracefully in your feminine? Yeah. I love, love, love that question. I do want to go back though. And, 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 you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, yes, I'm a masculine woman, it's the world that we live in right now. Right. And it's okay. Don't blame yourself that you're in this space. Like just a bit of history. If you go back to like the whole feminist movement, right. And you go back to that movement and it was just like where they, you know, women wanted to be heard but they weren't hurt. They, it was that when they were fighting for, we want equal rights. We want, you know, women should work. Women should be paid the same as men. They weren't listened to. So what happened was they stepped into their dark energy mm. and they started rioting. They started speaking. They started becoming in that masculine mode. And in that space, when they were rioting, like there was like people that riot pageants and were doing things on streets. Like, you know, the big riots and stuff yeah. yeah in the movement and then they were heard so that's when they got heard they got listened to during that time and that's when women stepped into masculine so now what we've kind of learned from growing up in that stage it's that hey if we want to get what we want we have to live in this masculine energy you know but it it isn't part of us we are supposed to live in feminine energy mm-hmm. and we do we have to put the mask and hat on 100%? There's a difference, right? So we can go, there's like, we can go really deep into this where there's like masculine energy that has light and dark. Then there's feminine energy that has light and dark. And like the masculine energy dark is like where you're controlling, where you're aggressive, you know, you get violent. The the light side of it is where you're the planner, you're logical, you're analytical. So it's understanding that balance and where you're living in it. And then the light side of like feminine. So if we're looking, moving into feminine now, the light side is like the nurturing, the giving, the loving. And then the dark side is like the manipulative, mm-hmm. the bitching, you know, that the, cat- the, the, yeah, the nagging, yeah. the cattiness. So to, to, if you want to be a boss babe, do you have to put on that mask and hat? Yes, 100%. But you do it in the light. 
right? You do it in the light because you need to be the analytical. Like I couldn't run a business and not have a logical hat on. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't run. But I also want to have the balance of the feminine energy because I also want to have empathy and I want to be nurturing. But I know I have to play that dance. So it's allowing to have that space. And like, truthfully, sometimes like Reese will always like, you know, he, he's such an amazing man and he always has all these amazing ideas and he'll want to like give me ideas, but I have my mascot and hat on. And I'm like, let me just do this right now. And I'll come to you when I want help because the nurturing side and the feminine energy will be like, Reese, like, can you please help me with this? And then I'll listen and, you know, I'll be like, yes, babe. But when I have that mask and hat on, I'm like, babe, I've got this. I want to take control right now. Let me handle this. So it's just understanding that dance. But I do believe it is important to have both. Yeah, it's it's all about blending, right? Yes. The blend and having the range. Because I was having this conversation with mm. a great friend of mine, mine the other day, and not going to say her name, but we were talking about this. And she's like, you know, I'm a bit worried that I'm such a masculine powerhouse boss woman. And she absolutely is. And I'm worried that. I'm not going to find someone who's going to be able to match that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, who, who are you modeling right now in the, in the business world? And she mentioned a couple of names mm-hmm. and they were all kind of, they were either single women mm. or they were in a relationship when the husband was like, like yes. you didn't know the husband, you know what yes. I mean? And then I said, well, how about who can we find that you can model that has the perfect relationship? Mm-hmm. And, and I mentioned Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Sarah Blakely, yeah, billionaire. Yes. She created what's it, Spanx, right? Yeah. She created Spanx. And she's an absolute fucking boss, yes. but perfectly in her light masculine. Like yes. She's like assertive, knows exactly what she wants. It's a freaking billionaire, but she's such like a lovely, graceful kind of woman. So it's, it's perfect to kind of have the, those blends and mm. it's just awareness. That's, that's the biggest thing. But And can I just jump in that? Yeah. So ladies, if you're <clears throat> listening to this, my probably number one tip with that, if you're a boss babe lady, if you meet a man, let, allow him to let you step into that feminine energy. And men listening to this, oh my gosh, if you meet a woman who's in their masculine energy, allow her to step into feminine. It's as simple as opening the car door. When you open the car door for her, it now allows her to step into a feminine energy. And she's like, oh, offer to carry the bags, right? I remember when I was training myself to step out because I was full masculine, full masculine mode. I did not have feminine energy. And I actually went on a, um, I did like this full course of how to step into feminism. And Mm. I did this whole course of like feminine energy. And I remember when I was learning this, that I then allowed men to help me. So if I, you know, if I needed help, I would ask for it. So now I'd be like, Reese, can you just get, you know, get that salt from the cupboard that I can't reach on top. And he's like, yeah, of course, babe. It makes him feel good Mm -hmm. getting the salt for me. And I'm allowing him to feel good. Back then I would have been like trying to get it. And he'd be like, do you want me to get the salt? No, I've got this. And I'd go and grab a chair, get the chair, climb up, get the salt. So like allow the men to allow you to step into that feminine energy. If they want to open the car door, get in the car. If they want to pay the bill, allow them to pay the bill. Cause it's going to make you have that feminine energy and women when we are in feminine energy, we can just totally relax and let go. But it is very interesting because the only time women can be allow themselves to let go and be in feminine energy is when they trust the males or the masculine energy and they can feel safe. As soon as women feel safe, they can allow themselves to let go. So like safety as in, you know, I can trust that Reese is not going to if I need something from the supermarket on his way you know back from somewhere that he's not going to forget it so I'm not going to have to be like are you sure about that (laughs) (laughs) he forgets to wake up of a morning if he doesn't have an alarm clock I can trust that race will set it in his reminder yeah that's okay everything in his reminders (laughs) but I trust that he's going to get it I'm not going to be there and send him constant text messages babe you know, are you going to, babe, don't forget to buy the salt. Babe, call him up. Babe, did you get the salt? I'm not going to do that. A masculine energy will constantly control and try and control the situation and keep checking up. I'm just going to trust that he's got it and he's going to get the salt. And that allows me to be in that feminine energy. And I can really just feel safe. 
We can talk about this. Yeah, I know. This is is amazing. (laughs) I'd love to hear about, so breaking this actual pattern. Mm. So how how does one actually break the pattern, this cycle that you're talking about in your book of stop dating the same type of person? Because I do see this all the freaking time. And I think we we had this quick conversation actually on another show with Adam Roa, who um, is Reese's boy crush, right? Adam Adam and Reese. And, uh, and, and he was talking about, he's like, if you don't level up, like after a breakup, it's about leveling up, you know, because otherwise it's just, you're on that same vibration, you attract that same person. So I'd love to hear your kind of take on this and how do you break this cycle? Yes. How to stop dating the same men. This is actually the whole reason why I wrote my book. Like I, my history, I kept dating the same men but stereotypically not the same men, right? Mm. I would go from like um, nerd to high school dropout. And I would go the polar opposite of my next boyfriend. But what I would find Mm. is that they all had the same qualities. Like they needed help. They needed help. Yeah. They needed help. And they also had the feminine energy, right? Mm. Because I was also living in masculine energy. So they were all had the same. I remember I'd get into this relationship and it'd be like two years in, right? Two years, two years, two years. I've been in lots of two-year relationships and I'd get it, get into this. And I'd look back and I'd be like, oh my God, I've done it again. And so I wrote this book, you know, thank you next. And how does like the whole idea of it is to how to stop dating the same men because I was getting frustrated of seeing women, and you've said it like it's so common, seeing women constantly go from failed relationship to failed relationship and then question and wonder what's wrong with me. And I realized that's what I was going. I broke the cycle. And when I actually broke the cycle, this is what I did. So this is how I realized. I allowed myself after the, the breakup that I was saying before was the, the best relationship, the worst relationship I've ever been in, but the best because it taught me the most. After that breakup, I did not date for a whole year I did not have sex for a whole year it's a long nothing year. it was a long year a very long but year. it was my commitment to myself <laughs> I love <laughs> this right now yeah. breathe <laughs> take a deep breath no it's I I bet I bet because I, I I got challenged at the start of last year by my mentor when after my breakup with Cameron right he was like as I said to him I said okay what should I do like school me like what are we doing and, and he goes okay three things don't go back because mm. like this, you know, anyway, we'll talk about this another time. Don't go back. Um, don't say a negative thing about them. Yes. And don't have sex for three months. So I'm writing these things. I'm like, okay, tick, tick. Oh, sorry. What was that? What was that? <laughs> and I was like, hold the fuck. Because I never thought about because naturally I just thought, oh, I'm seeing one out. That's what you do, right? Isn't yes. that what you do? That's what everyone says. Go get a rebound. Go and do this or go and do something. Take your mind off. And he's like, no, don't do that. Because sit within yourself and don't chase that exterior uh, exteriors. I don't even know if that's the word. External uh, validation, yes. And to get this momentarily something to fix this hole and sit in it and, and heal it. I learned so much. So I I like yeah. this whole year thing. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. And it's a, it's all in my book. But there are five stages that you go through in a breakup. Mm-hmm. And there's a really great reason why you did not have sex for that three months. Yeah, right? I get it now. Oh yes. And so for me, what was happening when I was dating the same men was I was jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. I never allowed myself to actually sit back, reflect and, and, and heal from the past relationships. So every time I was going into a new relationship, I was carrying the baggage from the old relationships, right? It was like, I was rocking up to a relationship with a suitcase <laughs> and I was being like, Hey Morgan here, take my suitcase. Right. I'm just going to unpack then, this here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this, take this. <laughs> and then you start walking around with a suitcase and then eventually you're like, you're going to tire. And I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. this is quite an exhausting suitcase. And it wasn't because I hadn't allowed myself to have that breathing space to actually sit back and reflect. And so what, what happened in that year when I decided to take that break was I learned these five stages of a breakup. And I was like, whoa, this is what we go through, right? So the first stage- So, wait, so before we start, so, so getting over dead and same people is to go through the stage, five stages, is that what you're saying? You have to, you okay, have beautiful. to go back to your breakup. You have to go back, you have to reflect because it was your last, if you're still dating the same men, 
we have to look at it. Mm -hmm. We have to analyze it. We have to look at the last one and look at the breakup and be like, what happened here? What happened? Yeah. And so stage three is why people keep going in the same dating the same people. Okay, so, let's hear it. What's number yeah. one? Let's go. <laughs> Let me go for this. All right. So stage one of a breakup is the pain, right? You go through pain and it, it, it's a stage that absolutely sucks, but it's a really important stage, right? And it actually, science has actually proven that the pain that we feel when we go through a like when we go through a breakup is actually the same pain as physical pain right mm. they've put people through mri scans and they scan the brain and it shows that the part like a part of the brain actually lights up that when you're when you're going through a breakup they showed a picture of their ex-partner and the part lit up and then the same part when they put them through the brain of where they you feel you experience physical pain also lit up so it's showing you that you still pain is pain. So when you hear people be like, you know, when you go through pain and like a break, you'd be like, oh, I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. My heart's aching. It actually does feel like it's aching. Such a different pain. Yeah. It's a, it is. It's crazy. But it's also temporary. Mm -hmm. it's, it's only temporary. This is a different thing too. Pain, do you actually know that pain is actually produced in your brain? So we interpret pain from our brain. So everyone feels pain differently. So that's why some people can go through chronic pain and chronic pain is not the pain that you're feeling in your knee. It's actually what's your processing in your head, in your mind, because it goes, the signals get sent up to your spinal cord and then your brain will interpret what you're feeling. So pain is always different. But then the one thing we have to realize is when we go through this breakup, that the pain is temporary. The pain does go away. So we have to sit with, sit with the pain and allow ourselves to process it and one big thing that helped me move past my recent, like but my last relationship where, because I was aware and I knew these, these five stages, I actually moved through it quite elegantly. So it was about just and actually seeing, like actually allowing yourself to feel and mourn and cry and all that yes. stuff. Cause some people can kind of suppress that. Is that, is that, so if you were to, oh. if you were to avoid stage one, would that be like, no, I'm fine. I'm not yep. gonna worry about it. I'm just gonna go and fuck someone. Correct. That, okay. And that is what most males, sorry, yeah. to yes. to stereotype here. No, they, do. they absolutely do. <laughs> so what what actually happens? <clears throat> because if... men can't cry. That's 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 <laughs> the society. Can, that's the cry. society's uh, uh, conditioning, there, right? It's like yes. if, if men cry, it's like men aren't meant to cry. Yes. Right. But I'm an advocate. Men, go cry. Go cry, men. Cry, <laughs> cry, and cry. Yeah. Uh, but so let's not let's not stereotype here let's actually say if you are emotionally aware if you are emotionally aware which i know you are that stage you would have gone through stage one and you would have felt the pain right when you and your ex would have bro broke up you would have allowed yourself to have some tears mm -hmm. and it sucked mm -hmm. and it hurt right and then because you didn't sleep with anyone for three months you allowed yourself to feel that pain Whereas in what normally would happen is if you're not emotionally aware and if you're not emotionally aware, you actually go straight to that stage two and it's distractions. So when you're in distractions, you're now doing things to not think about it because the more time you have to think about it, the more pain you'll feel, mm -hmm. the more stories you create, the more you sit in this and the more you want to cry or you just, you know, it, it sucks. You actually just feel like your whole life has been taken away from you. And now you just have to sit in these grieving stages and you actually go through grieving stages as well, which is a whole nother topic, but you actually go through grieving stages. And so distractions, when you move like gut, normally people who aren't emotionally aware will go into these distractions and they'll use things like, you know, drugs, alcohol even get themselves back on dating apps mm -hmm. like right so some people can can like women for example and or men you get out of a relationship you may be on stage one feeling the pain and then your your ex will go straight on to stage two but they haven't felt the pain yet and then you're seeing them or you're hearing friends talk about that they're on dating apps mm -hmm. and you're going oh my god they've moved on so quickly yeah they never loved me. My whole relationship was a lie, right? Now you're making up all these stories, but they're just going to distractions because they're dealing with the breakup in a different way. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they want to go, they want to distract themselves from feeling the pain because they don't want to feel the pain 
and they'll go, they'll sleep around, they'll go on other dates, they'll go and do drugs, whatever's going to help them in the short term. So, so escape the pain. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right? But eventually, mm-hmm. who knows how long it takes. It's like a beach ball. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you've heard this analogy before, but imagine a beach ball. And if you get a beach ball and the beach ball represents your emotion and you go, okay, I'm going to take this beach ball and I'm going to take it to a pool. And every time I feel this pain, I'm going to push the ball down under the water. I'm going to push the ball down under the water. And imagine this beach ball now is like, it's in your body and it's being pushed down. It's being suppressed. I don't want to cry. I'm going to push it. Oh my God. I felt this emotion. No, I don't want to feel this. No, I don't want to feel this. You push it down. You push it down. You push it down. Eventually you're holding this ball and you're just going to be like, comes and smacks you in the fucking face. Yes. You're going to want to let it go. And I'm just speaking from experience because I had the beach ball smack me in the face. Mm -hmm. When I went, like I went straight to distractions when I was emotionally aware and it hit me hard, like really, really hard. And yeah. So I, I, when I wrote this book, I I share the stories in there as well about what happened. And um, I, don't want to see people go through that yeah. because it, it can be dealt with if we understand, Hey, like, let's just sit in the pain, but don't like distractions is great. Right. I think it's actually a very important stage, but distractions is good when we've dealt with the pain, you know, we've sat with the pain, we've dealt with the pain and now we're like, cool, let's move on a bit more. Let's distract ourselves. Let's go to the gym, right? Let's do things in a healthier way. There's unhealthy distractions and then there's healthy distractions, Right. And depending on how you use the gym, because some people I see abuse the gym mm-hmm. and get it, use that as like a, like an, a fuck you. yeah, as yeah. an escape and they can injure themselves, but it's allowing yourself to have that balance, you know, go out with friends, go out with friends, but set the intention like, Hey, I'm just going to go hang out with like my girlfriends, not to pick up, not to pick up, but just to have girlfriend time, or I'm going to go hang out with my guy friends, not to pick up just to have a good time. Bring back that laughter. Bring back that fun. It's not about going and picking up, right? When did we get like that? Mm. But hang in there. <laughs> hang in there because eventually that does come. And I'll move on to the next stage, actually. So are we up to? We're up to three now. Three, yeah. So the next stage that we do is we, we, um, we want to jump back into the saddle. So we go, after we've done distractions, we move into this, like, I want to jump back into the saddle now. And that's where we think, like, okay, we go into the stage more so when we're feeling lonely. And we're starting to feel that lonely feeling. And we're like, I want that companion, someone to cuddle, someone to hold. Um, And you may not want a relationship, but you just maybe just want to like have someone because you're feeling a little bit lonely. Um, And when you jump back into the saddle, you're in that like dating world. It can be quite detrimental getting back in the saddle if you actually haven't allowed yourself to heal. And also if you haven't moved on to stage five, which is like the self-love stage, which I'll get into a bit more of. But what happens, so stage, this is where I see most people get stuck. At three. Three. People stay on stage three. Would this be rebound? Is that? This is rebound. This is also rebound, right? So it's trying to find someone to be like, no, I'm good now. I've done, I've cried for a week and shit. And I've done this, you know, read this book. And now I just want to go and find somebody. Yeah. Right. Well, look, you know, it doesn't, time, time doesn't matter, Morks. Like time frame is not, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't never ever put a, put a time on like going like, oh, time heals all, no way. Like if it's a week that is going to help you deal with pain, great. Like that one thing that helped me the most when I was um, going through my breakup was like, you know what? I'm like, how long do I actually want to grieve for? You know, how long do I want to grieve in this time period? Because I'm going to look at the relationship that I just got out of. How long does this relationship deserve for me to grieve for? How long does this relationship deserve for me to be in pain? It could be 24 hours, Morgan. Hmm. It could be 48 hours. It could be a week. It could be two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Your time frame, depending on how much you believe that the relationship deserves to grieve for. So it doesn't like, you know how you say a week? So it doesn't matter. Like if you, whatever time frame, if you, if you allowed yourself to feel pain, great. You allowed yourself to move on and have distractions, great. Now, if you're back in the saddle, this is, it could be, this is where it could get a little bit challenging if you haven't reflected and you haven't actually asked yourself, what is it that you're looking for? You know, what do you want? What happened in the last relationship? And have you actually done the work to prove yourself? 
Because if you haven't improved yourself, it could like, you know, if you haven't improved yourself, you'll attract the same people Mm -hmm. and the same people. So getting back in the saddle is where I see people get stuck a lot if they haven't improved themselves. There's no space to work on them yet. No. And they keep attracting the same men in this area or the same woman, Mm -hmm. right? That's, they're always like, that's the same qualities if they haven't allowed themselves to develop. And what can happen in that too, when you jump back into the saddle is you can actually move into stage four with it, which is withdrawals. (laughs) Cause what can happen is then you're now in a, if you haven't um, put that baggage aside, right. And then you haven't figured out what is it that you actually want and you get into this, you jump into this new relationship, like the rebound or whatever it is. And you go back into dating because you're feeling lonely mm-hmm. when you're feel, still feeling half. You know how we talked about the half mm-hmm. and you're not a whole. Like if you're a half and you jump back into these relationships, then you can be like, you can start comparing them to your ex. And then you get into this vicious cycle when, when you start comparing them, you're now thinking about your ex or you start... Um, you start thinking more about your ex and then you start remembering the good times that you had with your ex. And then you go into these withdrawals and you're now back into that pain and you're starting to feel pain again. Oh, I'm you, here again. <laughs> what, what, what were we talking about the other day? You were saying it actually releases the same kind of like dopamine in your brain, right? You get like, yes. it's like, it's like the same hit you get from a hit of cocaine by actually thinking about uh-huh. your ex, right? Yeah. What was that again? Okay. So Dr. Helen Fisher, um, incredible. She's a biological anthropologist um, and a well-known human behavior researcher. She actually did this study on thousands and thousands of people where she got these groups of people together. And she had one group that were going through a breakup, a group that was madly in love, like happily in love. And then another group that's it said they were happily in love from 10 to 20 years, right? So she did a study on all of these groups. And what happened was she put them in this fMRI machine. And it's similar to finding out the physical and emo- uh, physical pain links to emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Um, this machine also does the same thing with the scans. So what happened was she had one group that she showed a photo of like acquaintances put them through this scan and wanted to see the parts of the brain that lit up and acquaintances, there was no really part that lit up. Then she showed them photos of their loved ones, right? Or the ones that they were going through a breakup, put them through the scan and this part of the brain lit up. And now we're going to go a little bit into some neuroscience. So bear with me, bear with me. There's going to be a few words. (laughs) So what happened was when she put them through the brain, put them through the scan, the part of the brain that lit up okay the part of the brain that lit up was two specific parts we have the um the cardate nucleus so for short we'll say the cn that part of the brain is related to rewards so when we get rewarded something when you get a reward you get recognition that part lights up so you're like whoa so when you're in love that part lights up right the reward. Now, the other part that lights up is the ventral tegmental area. Mm -hmm. Okay. So VTA for short, that part lights up. Now, what that part of the brain is responsible for is pleasure, wanting, craving, and focus. That's what that, that's the job of that part of the brain. So that part also lights up when you're in love. And now those two parts of the brain, that section is very high on dopamine. And dopamine is a pleasurable chemical. That gives us the pleasure. Exactly the same of when you do addictive substances like cocaine and alcohol. Those two parts of the brain light up. Mm, so it's highly addictive thinking about LX. Yes. So you can see, so being in love is actually a drug. That's why they say Mm -hmm. that it's actually addictive. And what's even worse is like when you're going through this breakup, you're going through the withdrawals of what a cocaine addict would go through, of what an alcoholic would go through because you want that hit of dopamine. You're losing that dopamine because if you take it away, right, all of a sudden the part that lit up goes down Mm -hmm. and it dips down and you're no longer 
having that light. So you want that light again. You want to see the, you want the pleasure, you want the reward, you want the craving, you want the focus. So your motivation is so high that you do anything for it. So you think about it when you go through a breakup, like one of the first things I would do during a breakup is I would want to check my ex's social media mm-hmm. because seeing their social media gives me a hit of dopamine. Seeing their name gives me a hit of dopamine. Oh my gosh, what about wanting to text them? Oh, texting your ex when you break up and you just want to send them that message. Good morning. Or or this one, how are you? Are you okay? You know that message? And you're sending that message because you want to hear from them, right? You want that hit. You want that dopamine hit. You need that rush. And this is stage four, right? The withdrawals yeah and yeah. it's and it's sucks if you get ghosted mm, mm. right it sucks <laughs> if you get ghosted so one of my tips too would be for that is if you are experiencing that guys just also realize this is so normal like this is what it's 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 the science of our brains there's been studies done that shows this and so if you are going through this and you are going through a breakup and you're feeling withdrawals and you want to text your ex you want to go into their social media just ask yourself the question like What's my purpose behind it? What's my intention behind this, right? And if I do, if I do this, how is it going to make me feel? Yeah. How is it going to make me feel? Take a break, like take a big breath. Take a big breath. Ask yourself the question and reflect. And stage five. And stage five. The most important stage is self love this stage is so so important and i know like self-love can i've heard it so much it can be so overdone personally i'm like i've heard it so much and i'm like oh my god not self-love again but just remember like success leaves clues there's a reason why we talk about self-love yeah i I thought for so and i've talked about this in so many episodes but like i thought for so long self-love was like self-confidence especially for a guy women love it it's like oh, self-love I'm... and then they everyone's got so fucking confused yeah. this is self-love town at the spa ah, not really it's great but yeah. it's not like come on like you know there's confusion around it and and for me i thought it was like i remember one time posting a photo at crossfit and i was like you know take care of myself first like yeah like, this is it right self-care but not self-love mm. it's such a different thing and yeah. and it was, it, I used to hold this connotation around that it was like kind of mushy shit. Mm. I was like, I don't fucking self love shit. I'm confident. I'm fine. And then I realized I'm like, holy crap, I haven't done any of this. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's. Yes. One of the big things that, that you can actually reflect on self love is can you look yourself in the mirror right now? Look yourself in the mirror, stare yourself in the eyes, and say, I love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. If it is hard to say, I love you we have some work to do. We have some self-love to work on because cliche as it sounds, how are you going to expect someone to love you when you cannot tell yourself you love yourself? So that is a great place to start. So how do you start it? How do you start working on this? (sighs) Great, great, great question. Look, I think self-love is so different for a lot of people. It all depends on where you are and it's also important to be kind to yourself and realize that this does take time. I, when I first started my self-love journey, I um, would cry and cry and cry in the mirror every time I looked at myself. And um, one of the biggest things that helped me on this journey was, look, it's, I wanted to attract my soul love. So what I actually did was I wrote a list of what I wanted in a man, right? And then I looked at that list and I asked myself the question, am I being that? So then I looked at the qualities and let's say the one of the qualities that was on there was authenticity. I wanted a man who was authentic. And back then I was not authentic because I was working as a mental health worker I was putting masks on. I was scared of judgment. I was scared of what people thought of me. I never wanted, you know, I always held things back. I never wanted to speak how I felt. So I wasn't showing up as authentic. So I picked one thing from that list and that's what I did the work on. Just one thing. So I said, this is the year where I'm going to learn to be authentic. 
I'm going to pull that apart. I'm going to speak what I say. I'm going to show up as who I am and I'm not going to care, right? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I did that work a year later when I asked for feedback from friends. And this is always a great thing. Always mm-hmm. ask your friends or ask, you know, people that know you. The I right know, friends. The oh, right yeah. friends. Yes. <laughs> I know, Morgan, you've constantly asked. You always ask Reese and I, you're like, what are three things that I'm good at? Or, you know, <laughs> what are three things that you like about me? So, you know, ask your friends, you know, what, you know, what are three things that you think are holding me back? And, what and are three? A, a practice that we, we do at dinner every single time we catch up for dinner. It doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter who we're with. We're always doing it like we go around the table. It's like, hey, before, you know, not before we eat, like while we're eating, like I really care about that. It's like share one thing that you're grateful for and one thing that you love about yourself. Yes. And I remember when we first started doing that, I've always done like the gratitudes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do, what's one thing I'm grateful for, one thing I'm excited for. And we started to throw in the, what do you love about yourself? And I was like, this is so fucking awkward. Yeah. And that's why I was like, what do you mean I don't, you know, and, and I've done many trips away. You know, I've done trips away last year because it was purely, it's like, I need to go and delete all my social media. I escaped for a couple of days and just write shit and, and you know, whatever comes up. And I remember I was sitting on Hamilton Island and my intention was, I'm like, so I had no social media for a week, mm. seven days. So challenging for the first three wow. days by myself, by myself. So challenging for the first few days. And I was like, and I wanted to escape. And I, I was justifying it. I was justifying going, oh, you know, like, cause I fucked up. I went a day late. I missed my flight there. So I would, I would have been there less time than what I thought. Yeah. And I was like, I could come back at the, the original plane trip I had booked. I was like, or I could just change it, book another flight. Like, yeah, yeah. who cares about the money? Just book it and stay how long you decide to stay for. And I was justifying myself going, ah, like I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, you know, it's been great, but I might be bored. And then that's when I realized, I'm like, no, I changed it. The first three days was so challenging. Nice. The last four days was amazing. Mm. But I went down to dinner and I was having dinner by myself. It was so funny. Like, Key. <laughs> By yourself. I mean, yeah. can I share, I'll share a story after this? Yeah. And, and I was sitting there having red wine, three course meal. Every dinner I had on the island, by the way, was about at least a hundred, hundred fifty dollars just for myself. Cause I was like, there's no price tag on the street because it's yep. for me. Yes. And I'm balling out. I'm nice. fucking amazing. I had a private plane. The flight was amazing. And um, and I'm sitting there, but I was just making a list. I'm like, okay, my intention tonight is to make a list. All the things that I've achieved, all the things that I'm proud about that I've done. And all the things about myself that I love. Mm. And I sat and I was like, this thing is so hard. And then next minute, just after like quite a few wines and forced myself to sit through it, I made three massive fucking lists, huge lists. And I was like, I've actually done like a lot of shit and I'm really proud of it. Instead of sitting there going like, cause it's so easy, especially in Australia, tall poppy syndrome and shit mm-hmm. to, and this stems all the self-love stuff because self-love, you can't have self-love. You, if you love yourself, you know, you're cocky. It's such bullshit. It's like you have to come. There's a difference between confidence and, and being cocky. Yes. You know, and it's about knowing your worth and knowing and being proud of what you've done, proud of what you've achieved, not thinking that you're better than someone, but knowing that you're better than who you could be. Mm. And that's where it really lays. And, and that trip changed so much for me. Like that, honestly, it wasn't, hey, when I come back from that trip, it's like, okay, clarity, certainty. And I'm like, this is fucking sick. And, just been killing life since. You know? Look at that. <laughs> You've been practicing self-love. It's amazing. Yeah. And there's so many ways that you can do it. Like so many steps, like writing that, writing what you're good at and what you've done and what you're proud of and reflecting on that. That's amazing. Mm. That's a, that's an avenue, you know, writing even, and then make sure you also stick that up and put it somewhere where you can see it every day. I should do that. It's yeah. Probably, it's probably in my phone somewhere. Because if you look at it, because you know what, life's, you know, life is life and things will happen and things, it, it's, it, is, it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Things will bring you down sometimes. People will bring you down. But if you have that list and that's what makes you feel good, then remind yourself of it every day. Like stick it up on the mirror on your bathroom mirror. Like I had on my bathroom mirror, I am good enough and I love me. And that's what I had. And so every single day when I looked myself in the mirror, I said that I am good enough and I love me every day like now like you, you even hear Reese I'll look my, I'll be in the mirror and I'll be like babe I'm just so beautiful <laughs> and you're just like just smiling you're like I know you are baby and I'm like I am I love myself because I do I really really do I didn't before but it takes time and you fall in love this is the thing self-love can be daunting not everyone wants to do it because it's daunting mm-hmm. it actually is avoided 
That's why people get stuck on stage three because they avoid stage five because it's daunting. And it's not because it's not, I don't think it's not because people don't want to do it. I think it's because they don't know where to start yeah. and they don't know how to do it. You know, there is that confusion around it. So if it's simply by just writing that list, write the list. Yeah. If it's simply by just starting and looking yourself in the mirror and having something in front of you, then practice saying that. Um, and, and the story that I was going to share with you before, when you get to the point and you do have self-love and you know, will know when you do, you can actually take yourself out. The fact that you were sitting there on your own, having a glass of wine is self-love, Morgan. Yeah, I've done right? many of it now. I used to think yes. it was so awkward. I was like, what the fuck do I do? I'm yeah. on social media, but now I, I'll, if I do, I still go out even occasionally here, yeah. but I'll turn is my phone's off yep. or I delete social media just for the fucking hour while yeah. I can delete it and reinstall it. You know what I mean? Date yourself, mm -hmm. take yourself out. You know what I mean? What you would do for a girl on a date, do that for you. Do that for you. Like I've sat at restaurants many times. At the beginning, it felt weird. And I was like sitting and I'm like, oh my God, am I being judged? Are people going, why am I sitting on my own? And then someone will try and talk to me and I'm like, I'm just trying to be alone I'm a, here. I want to date here. Have some respect. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but a story that I wanted to share with you, my best, best, best friend, Franny, right? My best friend. I actually um, ironically met her during my self-love journey at a self-love event. And we just connected straight away. And she was, she is the biggest advocate for self-love. She is just incredible. Like she'll do the things like she'll take herself out for massages. She'll um, have bubble baths. You know, she takes herself out still on dates, even though she's in a happily married, like she's happily married, mm -hmm. married. But what happened was Franny, um, ages ago when she, you know, was just started a new career, she moved to Melbourne. She was a brand new city. She rocked up in Melbourne and then she was just like, you know what, I'm going to go out tonight. So she decided to take herself out, like not knowing who she was going to meet, didn't care if she'd meet friends or whatever. She's like, I'm just going to go out. I don't want to be alone at home. I want to like go out and have a good time with myself. She goes out. Little did she know that night was going to change her whole life. That was the night she met her husband. Damn. Damn. And he says now, it was so much easier to go up to her and say hello because she was alone. Mm. There wasn't other girlfriends there. So it wasn't scary for him to say hello. Yeah. And they fell in love. And so they there you go, women. If you want yeah. you want to find the man, go out on your own. Pretty much. Yeah. Going out with the girls. It's intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but one thing that you touched on as well like that the fact that you say these things to yourself and then you got Reese around you right because it environment's so fucking strong because this is such yes. a touchy thing talking about things you've achieved and talking about things you love about yourself if you say to the wrong person who is intimidated by that or yes. doesn't love themselves they can come back with things like like oh my god you're so up yourself because well, i've done these things mm -hmm. it's like well actually i have done fucking well and i am proud of some shit i've done you know, and it's cool. And what's great is like, that's why your close circle is so important to be around people that like, I know I could happily say to Reese or you, I love this about myself. And you'd be like, yeah, you should. It's fucking amazing. Yes. You know? And then there's also people in my life where I could say that and I, and I would feel scared to say that based on what they would say back to me. Cause I'd think it's so wrong. And, and I did a trip away with some of my, my friends to Ellie beach a few weekends ago. And, um, and they're all like making a lot of money. And the conversations we had on that trip, was so different where it's just like like around money and what we want to achieve and, and it's like yeah of course you can fucking do that you should be doing that why aren't you making that much money yeah of course you make them you know versus like i want to make this much and feeling scared to tell people around you so it's mm. like there's so many lessons in this but i'm really <laughs> mindful of time one more thing yes what do you got that's why it's so important to write your list of what you want in a person and stick by it like stick by it. Like I have been in my past relationships when I didn't have that self-love, I was surrounded by people who didn't, you know, like appreciate what I was doing. Like I remember my, the one, the boyfriend that I, worst mm -hmm. breakup, right? Best breakup, but worst relationship. I remember things like where I was, um, you know, blonde, and then I dyed my hair and I went brunette and I was so excited, you know, I, ladies, you know, when you just come back from the hairdressers and you want to be seen and then I'd rock up and I looked amazing and I felt all, I was all confident and I was like, he looked at me and then he was just like, 
I preferred you better when you were blonde. You know, so th- those were the things that would like shoot me down. Any time when I started a health journey, right? Because back then I was actually a size 16 and now I'm a size eight. But I started my health journey when I was dating him. So when I started my health journey, he would do things like I would come home and all of a sudden there would be a bowl of candy or lollies and whatever you call it in Australia, lollies mm. on the table, which we never had. And he was just trying to like... Because he's in- insecure Correct. about you becoming better yes. like fuck this maybe and we should do a whole nother episode yes and trying to bring you down but yeah. i didn't have my list of what i wanted so make sure you write that list you get clear on it and treat the people that come into your life as a job interview <laughs> they are coming into your life you are the ceo of your life you get to interview them and you get to hire them mm-hmm. so but how can you hire someone into the job if you do not know what you're hiring them for, what qualities do you want? So write that list. I promise you so much will change. Your environment will change. It's not just about the man you want to date. It's also about the friends you want to attract and the relationships you want in your life. Yeah. And I love that. Like, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, is boundaries. And what a thing I've really learned this year as well with really in the self-love stuff. It's like, when I really love myself, it's like, I know things that I'll tolerate and things I won't tolerate. And, and I don't need an excuse for why I don't want to do that. I just don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. that's final. And it's the same thing. If you're a CEO, you would know things that this job, this role includes this. And like, if I'm hiring you to be a video editor, you ain't doing my marketing stuff, mm. you know? And that's that. If you start doing the marketing stuff, it's like, no, that's not it. You know? Yes. So it's just really annoying as banners, but yep. <clears throat> we'll wrap this up, but this has been absolutely amazing. I think we should absolutely do another one on relationships. <laughs> I'm just so fascinated by this because I see so, I just want people to be fucking happy, rich, yes. have an amazing sex and live their best fucking life. And relationships, honestly, Morgan, relationships is everything. It is. There's a, the quality relationships that you have will determine so much. Yeah. So you can have, you can be rich, you can have the best house, the best car, whatever. But if you don't have genuine quality relationships, how are you going to feel? Yeah. What are you going to do? relationships 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 where can everybody find you on social media follow you and buy your book yeah so follow me on instagram it's mel fernandez so fernandez like fern and then andes f-e-r-n-a-n-d-e-z 89 so mel fernandez 89 and then um you can actually purchase my book thank you next book that is on my instagram you'll be able to see the link on there or you can just go to www.thankyounextbook.com I love it. Awesome. Well, to wrap this up, I got one final question for you. Ooh, I love surprise questions. <laughs> yeah. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give her 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Love it. I would tell her to be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And stop watching Disney. <laughs> and look for a role model that you can really look up to someone that you can model and follow because that is also going to determine your future. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.